Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What up, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ask Paul. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to the podcast that answers all of your pressing electrical questions by going to paulabernathy.com. And at that portal, Ask Paul, you can type your question, click the submit button that will come to me, and I will address your question either in an email response or if it's selected, it will be on a podcast to help answer your question but teach others in the process. So, on today's episode, we're going to be looking and it. Now, I will tell you right up front, today's episode is a bit, it's a bit broad of a question, so I'm using it, um, but he, the question I've submitted was probably more than should be for an Ask Paul segment, so I need you to buckle up because this is going to be probably a longer one, but uh, we're going to cover a lot of ground here, so it's going to be a great podcast for you to listen to in the car, at work, uh, just chilling, maybe taking a shower, listening to your, one of your uh, little uh pod pucks or whatever those things are called, Alexa devices, all those types of stuff, listening to it at your leisure. But before we do that, again, we need to check out our sponsor because without our sponsor, none of this would be possible to kiss. Also, thanks to all of you that have, uh, that have joined our fast tracks program or gotten our residential program, commercial grounding and bonding, uh, the bundle programs. We, again, we appreciate it. All this would not be possible without all of your generous contributions to our programs. We appreciate every one of you. So without that be, further ado, let's go into this commercial and we'll get into tonight's topic where we'll be talking about grounding electrodes. And the question is very specific. But before that, let's run the commercial and then we'll get into tonight's topic. Today's show is sponsored by electricianpride.com. Your one-stop shop for electrician-specific t-shirts, hoodies, phone cases, mugs, die-cut stickers, leggings, and so much more. Featuring unique designs for electricians, journeymen, and master electricians, as well as electrical engineers and electrical inspectors. For more information on all the products that are available, visit us at www.electricianpride.com today. All right, if you want some real neat swag, man, I'm talking about hats and shirts and whatever, uh, check out Electrician Pride. That's electrician, P-R-I-D-E.com. 
you will see a lot of stuff to your liking. Again, uh, every all the proceeds help us do these podcasts and these videos. So again, I appreciate all the patronage you give us over on electricianpride.com. And also all of you that have purchased our courses. Again, I very much appreciate you. All right, so on tonight's episode, an uh, individual submitted a question to me through the Ask Paul portal over at paulabernathy.com. And he wanted to know is... Underground metal underground water piping is the only electrode that's required to be supplemented. So that was his general question. So I figured in that question, the, the quick answer to that is no, it's not, but it's the one that most people associate with the different types of electrodes that's required to have a supplement to it. Uh, in case it's ever changed at some point, the water pipe grounds metal, they change it to plastic that leaves a structure without a grounding electrode system. So if you have a metal underground water pipe, then the code requires you to supplement that. Now, where does the code require that? Well, if you're in the code, you'll let 250.53D, which says metal underground water pipe. It says if used, okay? So if used as a grounding electrode, metal underground water piping shall meet the requirements of 250.53D1 and D2. Of course, D2 uh, is talking about supplemental electrode requirement. So that's the requirement for you to supplement the metal underground water pipe, if that's what you have, and if it qualifies as an electrode. So when you're talking about a metal underground water pipe, of course, I'm in 220.52A, and that's the different electrodes, and there's eight of them here. When we're talking about metal underground water piping, this is a metal underground water pipe that's in the ground in contact with the earth at 10 feet or more of contact. Okay, so the metal pipe that is actually in the earth, and it is the metal underground water pipe, not insulated, okay, so the metal has to be in contact with the earth. If that's the case, then it qualifies as an electrode. That would be a metal underground water pipe. Now, today, we don't see that that much, or they would be insulated as such and really not in contact with the earth, so probably wouldn't qualify but let's assume for argument's sake in the question that was submitted that we do have a metal underground water pipe. Obviously, if that's the case and it qualifies and meets the rules of 250.52A1, then we're going to have to supplement it in accordance to 250.53D. And the supplemental rule is specifically D2. And it gives you some options here, okay? I can use any of the other electrodes in A2, through A8. Obviously, you can't supplement a metal underground water pipe with another metal underground water pipe. Uh, no, can't do that, obviously. But you could use one of the others, um, in-ground uh, in -ground support structure steel, concrete case electrodes, ground rings, rods and pipes, plates, uh, other local metal underground systems structured such as, what would that be an example? That mean maybe underground tanks if they're metal, that type of things. Uh, again, always check with your HJ if they're okay with that. And, of course, um, in the process, the question wanted to know what other electrodes are required to be supplemented. Okay, so that, that's usually what gets lost in the discussion. We, we're so used to supplementing a water pipe, and we have other options here. Um, but they say, well, what other electrode requires a supplement? So let's give a quick gander. Since we were in 250.53, and that's dealing with grounding electrode systems installation. You'll notice that 250.53A talks about rods, pipes, and plates. Now, as far as the electrodes are concerned, uh, 250.52A4 
is his ground rings. A five is his rod pipes and plates. A six is other listed electrodes. Again, you could get some that are not listed here, but are actually listed as electrodes. Um, we have a seven, which is plates. We have eight, which are those others, like I said, underground metal tanks, for example. So you have all these different choices, right? But it says specifically here, if I'm dealing with rod piper plate electrodes, it says in 250.53, A, rod pipe and plate electrodes, which is again, gonna be a five and of course a seven specifically, it's what we're talking about. It says rod pipes and plate electrodes shall meet the requirements of 250.53 A1 through A3. Well, A1 says, all right, well, you're gonna install this ground rod, a pipe or a plate, you're gonna install it below the permanent moisture level. Now I can probably guarantee you most people don't do that. They probably just do it below grade, but they do not go and get it below the permanent moisture level. I don't know any inspector's gonna call that out. I don't know that they would know any different. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Okay, then anyway, it says, if practicable, now they argue that it's not practical, practicable, I guess, and, and move on, but it says, if practicable, Rod pipes and plate electrodes shall be embedded below the permanent moisture level, okay? Now, it says rod pipes and plate electrodes shall be free from non-conductive coatings such as paint or enamel. Well, obviously, we want conductive surface to be in contact with the earth. Makes sense, right? And, of course, we have rules in how we drive these things, how we put these electrodes in, right? We have all these installation rules we have to follow when you're dealing with things like ground rods and plates and all this kind of good stuff, right? We got all those rules. But, and again, they're all going to be under 250.53 when it comes to rods and pipes, for example, as well as plate. All of that's going to be there. And, and spacing requirements. But let's kind of talk about the supplemental aspect of this. So when you look at 250.53, and, and you notice that we're only talking about rod pipes and plates at this point. Originally, the supplemental question was at the metal underground water pipe. Okay, we acknowledge that that has to be supplemented, and I can use any of the electrodes in 250.52A2 through A8 to do that supplemental application. So the water, the water pipe ground is, uh, is out of the way. The, the, water under, the metal underground water pipe electrode is done. Okay, we, we've handled that. It does have to be supplemented. So when you look here at rod pipes or plates, the focus that I want to take the person that submitted the question into was 250.53A2. Here's what it says. Supplemental electrode required. It says a single, ground, a single rod pipe or plate electrode shall be supplemented by an additional electrode of the type specified in 250.52A2 through A8. So also, when it comes to rod pipes and plates, where you have a single rod piper plate, it would be supplemented. Again, it says shall be supplemented by an additional electrode. But it doesn't have to be another pipe. It could be another pipe. It could be another plate. It could be another rod. But it's not required to be. It could be any of the other electrodes, obviously, other than the metal underground water pipe, because that's not in the, in the list. It didn't say A1. It said A2 through A8. I think what most people do is if you're going to go through the trouble of putting in a ground rod, you're going to put in another ground rod. Now, we do have an exception here, but I'm, let's kind of work our way through this. Okay, 
So where you install a single rod, which is your electrode. So let's stick with ground rods now. If I have a house and I drive a ground rod, that is my grounding electrode system. Since I'm installing one, I have to supplement that. So we put in two. So that's where you hear people say you need to have at least two ground rods. That's because that second ground rod is supplementing the original single ground rod. You with me? Now, remember, this also applies to pipe and plates. We're just talking rods right now, but it's in. Notice that this covers rods, pipes, or plates. Okay. So, what it goes on to say under 250.53A2, it goes on to say the last sentence, it says, this supplemental electrode shall be permitted to be bonded to one of the following. This is, this is the neat part. Because a lot of people think that when you run the grounding electroconductor from the service, let's say, down to the ground rod, that it has to be run through that ground rod clamp to the second ground rod if you're going to choose to supplement it with another ground rod. No, 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 no. That was your grounding electrode system to that first ground rod. You're supplementing it with another ground rod. So this is that supplemental electrode. Now, in this case, it's, it's bonding, okay? It's bonding between the single ground rod to the supplemental ground rod. So that's bonding between the first one to the second one. The grounding electroconductor stops at that first one. Now, if you want to continue it through the lug or through the acorn or whatever you have and go on to the second one because you don't want to buy an extra clamp, that's fine because you know you can't put two grounding electroconductors under a single clamp, right? unless it's designed for it, and I don't think I've seen any that way. So you would have two separate clamps on the first ground rod, and then you would have a bonding jumper to the second ground rod. Now, granted, that would also be the same if you were using pipe or plates as well. That doesn't change. We're just using ground rods because it's simple. Now, when it comes to that supplemental electrode, here's where a lot of people get confused. They'll say, am I required to connect that ground rod that's the supplemental to the single one? Do I have to connect them together? Okay, you can. But here's what it says. It says, the supplemental electrode shall be permitted to be bonded to one of the following. And I've got five items here. So picture this in your mind, folks. I'm running a grounding electroconductor from the service down to the ground rod. I'm going to put in one, but because it's only one, and I haven't looked at any exceptions yet, it says that I have to supplement it. Okay, so I'm going to run out here and I'm going to install another ground rod six feet away from the first one. The six feet rule is in actually A3. We hadn't gotten there. We haven't done that one yet. But anyway, at least six feet away. Okay, so do I have to go from that first ground rod over to that second ground rod, which is the supplemental to the first one? Absolutely not. Is it permissible to do so? Yes. And that's what most people do. But check this out. I get this question all the time. It says, again, I'm going to read this to you so you have the context. It says, the supplemental electrode shall be permitted to be bonded to one of the following. Number one, rod, pipe, or plate electrode. So going from the one rod to the other rod, perfectly okay. They're connected together. They act like one system. Perfect. But number two says, you know what? I can take that supplemental rod and I can connect it to the grounding electrode conductor that's coming down to the first rod. So I can connect it straight to that. Now, since this is bonding, it doesn't have to be continuous, that it can split bolt 
provided that split bolt is rated for grounding and bonding. Okay. I can split bolt that onto the grounding electroconductor and boom, I'm done. Or I have another option. I can take the connection from that supplemental and take it to the grounded service entrance conductor. That's the grounded conductor that's in the service equipment and make that connection there. Okay, so I got that. I can make that to the grounded service entrance conductor. Be done. Okay. Now, um, and interesting enough, the grounded service entrance conductor actually takes place at the point of attachment where it comes from the weatherhead, let's say, down. Those are service entrance conductors as they move down. Okay. So, again, you have many places that you could do this, but most of the time people are just going to take this into the service equipment and take it to the grounded terminal bus. You with me? All right, so that's that. Uh, but hey, I got another option. I can go to a non-flexible grounded service raceway. So obviously a raceway coming in that is non-flexible and it's obviously got to be metal because it's got to be grounded. Obviously PVC is not going to be grounded. Obviously, should, should I even explain that? No. All right, so I could have rigid coming in, IMC coming in, EMT coming in, and it's going to follow all the bonding rules for services. It's going to meet all of those rules that it has to meet and 250.90, 92, and all those kind of things. I can actually connect to that non-flexible grounded service raceway, believe it or not. So I can put a clamp on and connect there because the concept is that's going to be bonded to the service equipment. That's all bonded and it's all good. Now, even though it might come to a meter first, because the requirements and usual residential applications to bond that meter, then you're going to bond it to the grounded neutral conductor, then that's going to be all bonded. Okay. Now, remember, if, none of, if any of these are not available in your situation, then you obviously can't use it if it's not available. Okay. It's not applicable, then you just don't use it. But you've got a bunch of options here. And then, of course, the last one is any grounded service enclosure. So if it's a service enclosure, Susie rated, then it's a service enclosure and it's grounded. Okay, probably got its main bonding jumper in there. The case is connected to the grounded conductor. It's all bonded, then boom. That's the supplemental. So what's interesting about this rule is that I could actually go from, now check this out now. I can go from the grounded terminal bus in the service because I've got to meet all the rules in uh, 250.24 and all that kind of good stuff. And I go down to the ground rod and stop at that first ground rod now, I put a supplemental ground rod in, which is six feet away. And we get that rule in uh, 250.53A3, in case you wanted to look ahead. And I put it in, but now I go from that supplemental and I go back to the service equipment and I take it to a lug that's, that's uh, tapped and drilled uh, to the actual metal enclosure. I don't have to directly take that back to the grounded terminal bus. Because this says that I can take it to any grounded service enclosure. So that's, see, that's different because from the grounded terminal bus that makes intimate contact with the grounded conductor, that's what I would take to my electrode. This supplemental is permitting me to go back to the service enclosure period, not necessarily to the grounded terminal bus. Now, you're probably going to do that anyway, but you see what I'm saying? It's a little different for the supplemental application. That is the supplemental. Okay. So um, interesting that you have multiple ways to do this. 
But I think most people are going to do what you know we would all do, and that is go to the first rod and then going to go to the second rod six feet away. Okay. Now, let's look at the exception to this rule. Now, what is this exception for? This is exception to the supplemental. So this might say, I only need one ground rod, one pipe, or one plate, provided I do what? Well, here's what it says. If a single rod, pipe, or plate grounding electrode has a resistance to earth of 25 ohms or less, this supplemental electrode shall not be required. So this is what would allow us to have just one ground rod or just one pipe electrode or just one plate electrode. That would be it. Now, you notice that this 25 ohms rule, 25 ohms or less, only applies to rods, pipes, and plates. That's it. Okay, the 25 ohms doesn't apply to concrete encased electrodes, doesn't apply to metal in-ground support structured electrodes, uh, doesn't apply to ground rings. This only applies to rods, pipes, and plates. Okay, and this supplemental rule only applies, in this case, to rod, pipes, and plates, not to concrete encased electrodes. You know, I see an awful lot of electrical systems and questions that are submitted to me where engineers will have a concrete encased electrode and then they'll supplement it with ground rods and they'll have all that. And you really have to scratch your head and wonder why. Now, obviously, they may have information that we don't, and they're thinking, hey, the lowest resistance to ground I can get, the better. Okay. But remember what you're doing it for. You're not doing it to clear an overcurrent device. It's for lightning, surges, transients, and, and stabilization of voltage. To be able to take adequate readings to earth, all those type of things are being done with this. Okay? It is not to clear an overcurrent device. It is going to be adequately low. And for example, let me, let me tell you, you're hard-pressed to get 25 ohms on a single rod most places in the country. But guess what? Even if you meet the code and you put a second rod in, you're probably still not going to get 25 ohms. And we don't just have buildings burning down due to lightning and things like that. Now, of course, with the National Electrical Code, now we have an increase in surge protected device requirements, which can go a long way to help. Uh, in those aspects of it. But again, for dwellings, we just don't see this in a mass quantity event, okay? So remembering why we do it. Now, also I tell people all the time, people say, well, can I take a, a four-aught to a ground rod? I mean, I get this, I think I got this question the other day. And, and I'm like, if you want to, sure, you can. But if you're going to that ground rod and that's your end position, it's a sole connection. It's the last rod. You're not going to another electrode that requires a bigger grounding electroconductor or bonding jumper between these electrodes. If you're not doing that and the buck stops at that ground rod, then it doesn't have to be larger than a six gauge copper. Now, you also say, well, Paul, it also can be four gauge aluminum. But again, you got your, you got your issues of terminating the aluminum within 18 inches of the earth. And we're not going to get into all of those rules with aluminum conductors under 250.64A. I'm not going to get into all that. Keep it copper. Keep it simple, if you will, um, when it comes to the grounding aspects of that in, in the earth. So there's some allowances there inside of equipment like transformers or whatever, NEMA rated 3R and things like that, where this termination is rated for the environment. Not, then you can get less than 18 inches. But again, not for today's topic. Point being is the supplemental requirements. Okay, so hopefully I answered that question. And of course, the last one we'll just look at is the supplemental electrode 
if you have a supplemental electrode, for example, where it says an A3, check this out. It says, if multiple rod pipe or plates electrodes are installed to meet the requirements of this section, they shall not be less than six feet apart. So if you have a rod pipe or plate and you're putting in multiples, as in the supplemental rod pipe or plate, then it shall not be less than six feet from the other rod pipe or plate. You with me? Okay. Just kind of making sure we're, we're, we're all good on that, that same page, if you will. All right. So um, I think that answered the question that, that he had uh, dealing with that. So again, just to summarize, metal underground water pipe may qualify as an electrode, 10 feet in contact with the earth or 10 feet or more contact with the earth. If it's insulated and it's not in contact with the earth, then you don't have a metal underground water pipe. Makes sense. Should make sense. Um, you do supplement it. That's a requirement by 250.53D. D2 specifically talks about the supplemental electrode requirements. And you can choose from A2 all the way to A8 as your supplemental. So basically, you can use any of the electrodes given except for another metal underground water pipe. Obviously, can't supplement a water pipe. Now, when it comes to rods, pipes, and plates, if you're going to install one, then you have to supplement it. The only reason you can revert back to one is if it meets the exception. And you're hard-pressed to meet the exception. And you know what? You're not going to use a standard ohm meter to make this measurement. For all those that say, well, I, did a ch I, did, I checked it. I stuck one into the earth and one. No. Okay? You'll need either a three-point fall of potential meter or a clamp-on ground resistance meter in order to make this calculation. A normal voltmeter is not going to work. A normal uh, that it's not, not going to work out for you. Okay. You're better off just install two, keep them six feet apart and move on. So hopefully that answered your question a little bit more that again, kind of explains to people what supplemental means. And I'm not even getting into something else called auxiliary electrodes. What's an auxiliary? That's an auxiliary electrode, like a rod that's not required. That's what you would see like a lamp pole out in a parking lot. You're going to have an equipment ground that's running to that lamp pole. The auxiliary grounding electrode might be specified by the engineer. They're thinking that that's going to take from lightning that might strike the pole to the earth and whatever. Okay. They're not required. Okay. But their auxiliary engineer might want them. Typically, we see these on a lot of uh, machines with a lot of uh, uh, where you might have conveyors and you create uh, static electricity and it allows it to discharge it. Uh, all those type of things. But that's an auxiliary grounding electrode that's put at usually a specific piece of equipment within a building or, like I said, at lamp posts and uh, parking lots. Again, not the same thing. That's an auxiliary electrode. It has its own rules under 250.54. They do not have to meet the rules that we follow under 250.53 for normal ground rods, pipes, and plate, that, that type of thing. You with me? That's something totally different. Okay. All right. So hopefully you got something out of today's episode and it taught you a little bit. And hopefully I answered the question to the gentleman that submitted that and gave you a little bit more insight into supplemental requirements for the various types of electrodes. Till next time, folks, stay safe. God bless.